Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Here we go. Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon. It is back to work Tuesday after your long weekend. A long weekend that had a ton of hockey on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. We uh, are going to have a busy show today. Eric DeHatchek coming in at about 1230. We'll tell you who is the... Uh, the next round winner in our big uh, playoff pool contest with Iconic Electric and Controls. But first, let's talk to Lou. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Lou, you had it in your notes. The New York Islanders were on Expedia. They dialed up the No Chance Motel yesterday. Just... Tampa was just too much for them from start to finish, really. And let's just talk about the Islanders, Kelly, quickly. Really difficult turnaround when you think about There they are Saturday in the midst of a, a Game 7 in Toronto. You go through the high as the Islanders. It's a place that you haven't been since 1993. And, you know, what a great job Barry Trotz, Lou Lamorello, have done with that organization when you think about the fact that you know it seems a long time ago but really wasn't where how would they move on without John Tavares and and that's not a slight to John I'm a massive fan and have been since he was 14 15 years of age but you know there's there's one franchise that has some playoff wins since he left and one in Toronto that doesn't so you know, a great accomplishment for the Islanders winning another round, beating, you know, the number one seed in the East. So to do that, you've climbed another mountain, you've ascended to a place you haven't been to for a while, and now you jump on a plane, you got to change, you go to yeah. a different bubble, you get... I, I do. I just, I think it was a lot to ask. And then when you couple that with the fact that, Kelly, how I looked at last night was this way was there anyone on planet earth that was going to beat Tampa last night? And I would say with two words, no chance. No, not, not, they were (laughs) dialed in and, and uh, you're right. It was, it was a tough go for the Islanders, but geez, it just, they just kept coming at them in waves. Do you, uh, I don't, I don't think we're going to write the, uh, the obit for the Islanders just yet. No, they'll, they'll find a way to, to, to dig out somehow. Right. They'll be better. Yeah. They'll be better. And, and I think the interesting part of it is think about who the New York Islanders are. Um, you know, they went a full series where they gave up eight. They gave up eight in one night. So, you know, that's a team that prides itself on being great defensively. We've talked a few times over the last few weeks about, you know, Barry Trotz and understanding who he has and what he has and, you know, he made a statement a few weeks ago about, you know, they're very, very comfortable in not having the puck all the time because they're so good in their defensive structure. And and they've actually, to their credit, you know, they've scored a lot more than people might have expected with Matt Barzell. And, you know, I think Josh Bailey has played arguably some of the best hockey I've ever seen him play. And Anders Lee and Nelson, you know, they, they've scored some goals. So they've been a a really formidable group, but you know, they're going to be hard to have that kind of night again against they'll, they'll be much better, you know, a couple of days from now, or I guess all of a sudden tomorrow. And I think they've got their, uh, just, 
you know, their their new way of going about their business. But to, to me last night, as much as it was about them, they'll be much better. I'm not sure the other guys can be any better. Yeah, they they uh, they look like they're on a mission, and they've looked yeah. at that for a while. They've had some adversity, you know, big, long overtime game there with Columbus. And I'll tell you, they just, you know, we... we I think about last year when they were knocked out in four straight and everybody's like, what happened? But they really didn't freak out. Uh, they made some really cool additions at the trade deadline. And Lou, I mean, from from back to front coaching, I don't know what where there's a weakness on this Tampa club, if there is one. No, the, no I, don't, I don't think there is. And let's not forget about one thing. They're doing this without Steven Samkos. So they have another huge weapon in their arsenal that they're not even using, and they've found their way. Um, you know, Columbus was a bit of a mountain for them after what had happened. But the point, two points I think about, Kelly, when it comes to Tampa, that was a miserable, miserable setback for them. And I think it taught them a very valuable lesson, and that is is that regardless of whether you have the best skill in the league or not, that's not necessarily a 100% winning formula and you know they did they made additions like Goodrow and Blake Coleman and they added Patrick Maroon they needed to become more of a blend because at this time of year in the playoffs you need a little of everything and frankly they relied all on talent it was talent that led them to 62 wins last season but you know when when the canoe tipped over after that 3 nothing lead in game number one, they, they couldn't reel it back in. And the other thing I think that's happened that I saw a difference last night in Tampa, Kelly, remember when the Washington Capitals beat the Pittsburgh Penguins and kind of got over and went on to win the Stanley Cup and how big that was? Got that out of the way and off they went, yeah. Yeah, you know what, I kind of sense that, because let's not make sight, let's not make light of that, pardon me, the win over Boston, that was not easy. couple overtime games, I know it only went five, but that was way more difficult or hard fought, I think, than five games would say. And there's absolutely no doubt that if you went to anybody on that Tampa team, they would tell you, you know, that winning that series and having to play it in round number two was a massive, massive hurdle against a mentally tremendous mentally yes, right yeah yes yeah. but i mean they you know to beat columbus which wasn't easy you mentioned the five overtime they had another overtime game remember columbus blew a lead um and it ended the series in the last game of that series so you know they've had a lot to fight through and they just they just looked yesterday last night like such a confident in control. Now, it was also one of those nights that everything they touched turned into gold and went in the back of the net. And, you know, we haven't even started talking about, you know, one of their main people or two of their main people. But this team really has everything you could ask for. And they're also in a unique position, Tampa Bay, because is there, like, there's no, when you would ascend to that level, Kelly, there's no second prize. Like, yeah. nothing outside of winning the Stanley Cup for yeah. Tampa. No, no moral victories for those guys no, anymore. They, no, gotta... you, they need to win it. Yeah. And they've been in this position four times 
in the last six years, which says everything about them. You know, when you think about what an elite organization is, it's Tampa. Like they're they're knocking on this door year after year after year, and they didn't last year, yet they won 62 games. So to their scouting department, Steve Eiserman, Julian Brisebois, that Al Murray-led scouting staff, they've done a marvelous job. They have done an absolutely marvelous job. And, you know, they're going to – right now it feels like it's somewhat theirs to lose. They want to get there. I mean, I, maybe they're not an elite organization yet because I think you get that with championships, but they want to be where, in that same conversation where you talked about the Pittsburgh Penguins, the L.A. Kings from earlier on in this. Yeah. Uh, and even and I'd even put Boston in that yeah, category, Chicago, even though they yeah. didn't. Right. You know, teams Boston that you always know win, they're right. going to be there. Right. And they've got right. that pipeline of guys coming up, and people want to play there. So that's where Tampa Bay is at. We're chatting with. Peter Labardius right here on Hockey Central. We've got hockey for you tonight, Dallas versus the uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights at 6 o'clock tonight as we got lots of hockey for you, all the games of the conference final. We're also joined by Logan Gordon. Well, Lou, you wanted to talk about the uh, Calgary kid. He's been on display for a little while now, and he just continues to improve, and uh, Braden Point uh, making himself well-known uh, this postseason. Well, uh... I got to tell you, I, I'm enjoying the daylights out of it. I'm I'm a massive fan of Braden. I've been lucky enough to have been watching him since he was 12 years of age and followed him through, you know, Bantam and Midget. I know we can't use those anymore, so I apologize. They're now age categories, and, and I'll get better at that going forward. Um, you know, an outstanding junior career in Moose Jaw, but um, – Right now, he is at an exceptional level. And the thing about Braden, who had five points last night, two goals and three assists, is, Logan, you talk a lot about, we do, about skills, but then there's hockey IQ. And and his vision, his quickness, which has never been better. Logan, I know you guys will both remember this play, if you want to think about a play, and, and there were several last night, obviously, you know, the first goal, he drives around the defense, makes a great move, makes himself available on the second goal for a great pass. Even the little bumper touch pass he makes to Hedman that leads to that goal, outstanding feed after that ridiculous play in the neutral zone by Kucherov. Um, you know, Braden has it all. And, and to me, since I started watching him, you know, a smaller guy, but his understanding of the game, his compete, his battle level, and I do. I have said it many times. I, I give his father, Grant, uh, who was his minor coach for a long time, who's helped put other players in, in better places, whether it's major, junior, college, or in the NHL. His dad is one of the most interesting, fascinating people in my travels who isn't a high-level coach that I've ever talked to. And and I think he has made such a massive difference. But, you know, I love this guy. He played in our world junior team two different times, talk about it all the time. What I saw him do in his 15-year-old season in the Western League um, in Moose Jaw where he had seven goals, three assists, three winners, two overtime winners. Logan, that doesn't happen. 
That's just like you have got to be special. And somewhat like he's doing now, Logan, how many times will you see a guy who is not any more than five foot nine for sure? Trust me, because I'm five nine, or at least I used to be before I shrank. Um, how many times do you see him fish pucks out of people's feet and always on the right side and the plays he makes and the vision? Well, that's what I saw in that playoff year. And all he's done is just get better and better and better. And, you know, I'm a huge fan. And the other reason I'm a huge fan is, is he is, even in his interview last night, he's so humble. Um, he's so respectful. He, he has the A word for me, which sometimes has gotten lost in today's professional athletes. He's, he's highly aware of who he is, where he came from, the people who have supported him along the way. And so, again, to watch this breakout, he's got 16 points in a seven-game point streak, second in playoff scoring now with 23 points. Phenomenal last night. And one guy who notices it each and every day is his head coach, John Cooper. You know, he came into this league like many young players do, and you kind of have to – he didn't really navigate his way around, but you kind of have to find your spot. And uh, he's played in some big moments in his career, um, given some big assignments. You know, I, I look back in, in, in 2018 when we, we made our run <clears throat> to the conference final. He was a big reason uh, we beat the Boston Bruins. And, and I thought that was kind of his coming out party. Um, injuries probably set him back a little bit. Um, and I've said this before, the pause probably helped him get healthy. Uh, but he's really in command of his game. And, and uh, when you play the right way, I just, I truly believe good things will happen to you. And, and that's what that kid does. There we go. John Cooper from the Tampa Bay Lightning talking about Braden Point. And, um, and, and a lot of teams passed on him, Lou, right? Like he, he no, sat there and waited and, and, uh, Boy, Tampa sure knew they saw something in him, obviously. Well, they did. And, Kelly, here's how the world works in a lot of different ways. Now, I think it's changing, and people like Braden Point are helping to change the narrative. And the narrative is, like I said, when when Braden broke into the Western League, and, and even now I don't know what he's tipping the Toledo's at, but it can't be any more than probably about you know, 170, maybe 175 pounds. But, you know, he's like 135 or 140 pounds in junior. And when you don't have all the right physical attributes, and and this isn't a criticism, because trust me, um, you know, these are easy things to send out on Twitter now about how everybody passed on him and he got to the third round. Well, it's not an easy projection for players is difficult. And Kelly, as you know, in a lot of cases, how we assess, if there is something missing where people get concerned, that's how you fall. And, and it was about one thing with Brayton. It was not about skill. It was not about smarts. What it was about was would someone his size, be able to deal with the rigors of the National Hockey League and the kind of people that you have to play against who are much bigger and much stronger. And most of the time, especially with high picks, what people don't understand is 
a lot of times you're going to go for the people that you like, you can't really miss there. So what I mean is it's hard to take a chance on somebody sometimes where there's question marks. And with Braden, there were question marks. Now, I had a pretty good feeling, and so did lots of other people, but I hope I'm being somewhat clear about why some of these things happen sometimes. You know, there's certain players in some ways that that almost can't miss. You know, how how could you really go wrong in some ways on taking an Austin Matthews? Well, he's 6'4". You know, he has all the skill in the world. He can shoot it through the end of the building. Those, like... You can't miss those are, those really are easy ones. Yeah, those are easy ones. The hard ones, and it's easy when Braden gets drafted in the third round. But I'll tell you this: it takes a lot of courage sometimes to make those moves, and that's why guys of his size and stature sometimes fall by the wayside. I'll give you another example: Has Tyler Johnson not been a pretty good NHL player? Yeah. And you and you could talk about the, some of the flames later picks that they took, right? And not right. even not even size wise. Look at just, Andrew Mangiapane. Yeah. There's another perfect example. So I'm glad you went there. So there's a guy 104 and 106 points in the OHL in his last two years. But you're you're worried whether it's and 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 the other thing is if you're going to be that size. If you're not, like, really an elite, elite skater, like, the ability to, like, blow by people, but those are the guys that fall because in, in many cases, the, the way scouting works is that certain people who kind of fit all the boxes, size, speed, skill, all of that stuff, Kelly, the fact of the matter is, and it happens in a lot of other businesses, those people are just going to get a longer leash. It's safer. It's safer. Yeah, yeah. But if you're Braden Point and you're five foot eight and a half, and you know in your draft year you're 160 pounds, you know in that neighborhood, then it's not as easy. It just that's that's the difference. But you know, good on Tampa and. The thing I love about it is those players are now having more and more of an opportunity. And one of the reasons is, you know, Braden's un you heard John Cooper say it this way. When you do it right, good things happen. And and you know what generally allows people to do it right? Their hockey IQ. And his hockey IQ is off the planet good. Yeah. Um and the, the the Tampa Bay Lightning have done it in different ways, right? They've um, they've had some high draft picks. They've had some like you know like the real sexy picks that everybody knew were going to go number one or two or whatever. They they've had some some middle picks. They've made some really good free agent signings. But the guy that was a very high pick that everybody knew would be a, a, a long time player was Victor Hedman, and uh, he he kind of does it basically at both ends. Like he is offensive, but he is a load. And when he's trying to clear guys in front of the net or, or get physical, I mean, he is, uh, he does he is it something. all. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's six, six, probably closer to six, seven shoots it through the end of the rink. He pivots. Well, he skates, he plays physically. He has a long stick. He gets used in each and every situation. 
and Kelly, let's not forget, he's already won a Norris Trophy. You know, this was a second overall pick in his draft. Um, high, high-end player, great character. Um, and this playoff round, including last night where he was, you know, maybe not star one or star two. For me, he was certainly the third star behind Point and Kucherov, who both had five. But but this guy is, he is an exceptional National Hockey League defenseman. And, you know, when you're on a high-flying team with elite-level forwards, guess who gets missed sometimes? A, because we don't see them as often in the West. But B, that's that's where we look. We generally have looked to Kucherov and Stamkos and, you know, just their ability to score. Well, what that guy has given yeah. them You is, don't get there without him. No, you don't. And haven't these playoffs just shown us the value of high-end people on the back end? And, and the other thing that's happened in Tampa is since Ryan McDonough returned from injury, well, I mean, they're a good group. And, and those two guys leading the way, they give you a little of everything. They can defend. Um, McDonough is an elite defender. Hedman's just, he's as elite as elite is as far as National Hockey League defensemen are concerned. And, um, you know, when you have what they have, there's a lot there for John Cooper and company to work with. Well, Lou, we're going to let you go. We'll uh, break down what happens tonight at 6 o'clock our time, Dallas versus Vegas. We'll get into a game two of that game tomorrow. Thanks for joining us and uh, talk tomorrow. Okay, have a good day, everybody. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon. It is Hockey Central at noon. Will Nalt is away for a few days on holiday, so we have Peter Klein coming in at 1 o'clock. He will host our number one of the big show, Steinberg, in after 2 o'clock. And as we mentioned, Dallas, Las Vegas tonight at 6 o'clock on the Sportsnet Radio Network coming up uh, with uh, Batch and uh, Hershey. Looking forward to that. Um, hey, I went to the movies this weekend, and it was the first time I'd been in a while, uh, probably since, well, end of February kind of deal. Went to the uh, Landmark Cinema down my way in Shaughnessy, and I'll tell you, it was amazing. They were professional. I felt safe. Um, honestly, I didn't know what to expect. I hadn't been in a long time. But they have thought of everything. They kept everybody distance. Went to see the movie Tenant, which was pretty cool. And it was just so good, uh, Logan, to hear the, you know, the big woofers of the speakers they have there. I mean, it's great to watch stuff on Netflix. But when you're at a theater and you hear that that rumble of the the big uh, speakers and the big, you know, screen, it, it was something to be seen. It just felt good to, to do that again. And uh, mention that on Fridays, your chance to win a... Ticket and Treats Combo Pack from Landmark Cinemas. You get two tickets to go to a movie. You get two popcorns and two drinks. Boomer gives one away, and then we do another one in the afternoon on the big show. Uh, double your chances by winning. All you got to do is go to sportsnet.ca slash 960 and uh, just enter away. Simple as that. And if you want to see what's going on with Landmark, their movie lineup, you can do that. And buy tickets, too. Just go to landmarkcinemas.com slash showtimes and just put in which theater you want to go see. It. It'll Call it up just like that. We'll talk to Eric Dehatchik next, see what he thinks of the Western Conference Finals so far. 
and a few other uh, questions to ask about the NHL. Next, right here on Hockey Central at Noon. Hockey Central at Noon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Big show coming up at 1 o'clock with Peter Klein. Steinberg joins at 2. This is Hockey Central at Noon. I'm Kelly Kirsch along with Logan Gordon. Time now to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Now open for limited dining service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975. 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. Dine in, take out, get it delivered. They'll do it all for you. And there's been so much sports on. It's good pizza, eating weather, and that sort of thing. We got Eric Tehachik now. Um, it looked to me like the Las Vegas uh, Golden Knights were just maybe, you know, trying to dial up some more enthusiasm and energy. And just after a, an exhausting series with Vancouver, maybe they just they needed one more day of rest because it looked like they didn't have it in the first two periods anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, real good observation. I, I, considering how entertaining these playoffs have been, you know, more or less, right? That was. It wasn't. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or, or one of the worst, anyway. Certainly, since the official playoff round started, I thought, uh, yeah, I, I thought there wasn't much there. But, but I'm also holding out hope that, uh, that, as you suggest, it was just an anomaly, and that uh, you know that from you know from this moment forward, it's gonna. It's going to go back to being what it is. Uh, you know, it's like everything else. I, I think when when Vegas pushes the pace, uh, and especially when they get up early in the game, you know they're going to they're going to force Dallas probably into a style of game that they don't want to play. The one thing that uh, you know, I mean, Dallas scored more goals in this playoff than they did at all in the regular season. But basically, they are a defensively oriented team. Lots of similarities to the New York Islanders. And, uh, and and I think that if you get them out of their comfort zone and force them to open up, it could be fun. So I, I'm looking for a lot more offense tonight and a lot more energy from Vegas. And, and if Vegas gets out to an early lead, you know, maybe we can get another shootout because that's been the best part about these playoffs. The, you know, the unpredictability of it, the fact that, you know, like no lead seems to be safe. You know, it's been great. And, uh, and that game was one that just, you know, sort of didn't measure up. But it's one game. And it felt, you know, like I, I thought if Vegas got the, the jump on Dallas, that it could be a real quick series. The fact that, you know, Dallas got that first win, you know, now now it looks like it's going to be a slog. Yeah. What do you think uh, goaltender-wise for Vegas? Do you go back, obviously, with Leonard, or do, do you go with Flurry, or where do you think? <laughs> well, what I would tell you is I, I do think that they're, you know, that they are going to, you know, use them both. You know, if it goes seven, we'll we'll see both of them for the remainder of the series. But yeah, I would I would go with Robin Leonard. I mean, you know, as as much as you know, like Flurry is the face of the franchise or one of the faces of the franchise. You know, Leonard has been the guy that they've ridden for for most of this this time, and and certainly the you know the shutouts that he threw in in, in the past series are going to be uppermost in in DeBoer's mind. I, I I mean, I'd be surprised if it's not Robin Leonard. You know, we talk about you know. It's been a few, obviously, their third year in the league, and they've had an amazing beginning. As uh, they're they're just about if they can win this series, they go back to the Stanley Cup final like two out of three years, which is absolutely crazy for an expansion team. And they've mm-hmm. done they've done it in very interesting ways. And and the guys on the morning show were kind of revisiting what happened with the uh, the original expansion draft. And you think about the players that they got from that. I remember like a guy like Shea Theodore, you know they. 
the doc said, well, you can have him because but don't don't take these other guys. And it's like, like, how wrong could you be? Hard to tell that, you know, to kind of, you know, uh, you know, see where he was going to be. But boy, they they've they've really benefited from some from good players that have that have raised their level, not just the expansion draft, but some of the the trades they've made. The guys have come in and, and played better. Yeah, no, well, exactly. Well, so I wasn't sure where you were going with that because I did the same exercise. I went back and actually looked at the players that were taken in the expansion draft, right? So the Anaheim player that's taken is Clayton Stoner, right? So if you look at the actual expansion list, uh, the, the claim that Vegas made was Clayton Stoner. It was because that was a contract that, that Anaheim was trying to, to unload. Now, the consideration for taking Clayton Stoner a contract was that they would trade them Shea Theodore, and that way they wouldn't claim, you know, Josh Manson or Sammy Vatanen. So, so you're right. Like, and, and there was four or five other teams, you know, Florida Islanders, Columbus, that, that also gifted up players that turned out to be way better than what the teams that had them originally thought they were going to be. Now, I would say this. Of all of the players that they ended up with, like the Riley Smith and the Marchessos and so on and so forth. I know for a fact that Anaheim really valued Theodore, didn't want to lose him. We're trying to figure out ways of, of protecting everyone and realize that they couldn't. Now, you know, in hindsight, would they have been better off making that man available? Because, you know, obviously he, they moved him on for Adam Henrique in, in a subsequent trade. But I think that they were in they were in win now mode then. Remember Kelly and, and so Theodore was a guy that had been up and down from their 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 farm team. They knew he had potential. At different times, he looked like an NHL player, but he really wasn't playing up on their depth chart. And in the meantime, you know Manson was playing big time, important minutes for them. You know Vatanen was a guy that was was really effective, and uh, you know guys that were in their primes helping them win. And, and they were they were trying to win championships. And Shea Theodore was going to be part of whatever came next. So that was the rationale behind behind making that uh, that decision. You're right. In hindsight, you know, it looks terrible because yeah. Theodore not only has gone on to be, you know, like a very effective player. Like he, I think they thought his upside was top four, and now he looks like a top two defenseman. And yeah. and top two defensemen in the NHL don't grow on trees. And so you're right. If, if they had a do over that would be one of the things that they would absolutely do over. But you don't know that, right? You just don't no, know how don't. a guy is going to develop. And this guy has really taken. Yeah, he's, he's been something else. The one thing that I, you know, watching these guys, and, and I think we've talked about this before, Eric, is, you know, with, with an expansion team, obviously it's going to take some time for you to develop your own guys. And we've seen a little bit, but I'm just wondering, like, is there going to be a fall off here in a year or two if they don't get some more of these guys in the lineup, some of their own draft picks and their own developed guys? Because they got a, you know, they got you know the what, what white cloud on the on the back end and some other guys that they've sort of developed along the way. But do you think there's a, a bit of a, a potential to fall off for for the Golden Knights? Yeah, potentially, absolutely. So yeah, Nick Roy and and uh, and, and White Cloud are really the only two people that they have sort of developed themselves. Um, you know, obviously they had three first rounders in that first uh, draft traded two of them. So Nick Suzuki looks like he's going to be a player, right? So all the things we just said about, about Theodore and, and Anaheim moving him on, you know, the same thing can be said for, for Vegas when it comes to Nick Suzuki. And what I saw, it wasn't a guy I paid a lot of attention to during the, the year, really liked what I saw of his performance for Montreal in the, you know, the, the 
play-in round and then the first round of the playoffs. So he looks like he's going to be the, the real deal. And, you know, we haven't seen Eric Brandstrom, who was traded to Ottawa. Uh, to, we haven't seen him at his best. But, again, defensemen take a little bit longer to, to develop. So those are pieces that would be coming through the pipeline for Vegas if they hadn't gone on and made the trade for Stone and Pacioretty, who obviously are you know, making important contributions to, to the success that they're having right now. The one guy that they retain, Cody Glass, the highest of those three, has had a really kind of an intermittent start to his career. So I don't know if he's going to be somebody that plateaus as maybe a bottom six forward or if he's just needed more time. He wasn't that physically mature, if I recall, in his draft year. So I think they felt that if they were going to invest some time in him, he would eventually you know, get there and, and become a pretty good player. But but the assets that they got uh, in terms of those trades and, uh, that they made for expansion considerations, it looked like they were going to get a vast pipeline of young players that would all you know, hit the you know, development curve at the same time, that three- to five-year period. And then you know, they traded 70% of those guys to get assets for today. So it isn't going to be as deep a pipeline. There's still a few you know, players in, in that pipeline. But, uh, but you're right, they, you know, like a lot of teams that get into that go-for-it mode, you know, there, there's a price to be paid, and Vegas will probably ultimately pay that price. Uh, if they win a championship this year, Kelly, I'm going to guess that yeah, they won't We'll care. worry about it later. <laughs> yeah. We're chatting with Eric Kahatchuk right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. He's our NHL insider. It is Hockey Central at noon. Also joined by Logan Gordon. Eric, the Dallas Stars find themselves in an interesting position because if I think anyone had told you that Dallas would be in the Western Conference Final, it probably wouldn't be with Anton Kudobin in net. But here they are. They've got a one nothing lead on Vegas, and it kind of feels like it's almost, I don't want to say above expectation, but if they were even to lose the series, I think most fans and probably Dallas management would be pretty happy with the results this season. Yeah, well, I mean, there's always a level of disappointment when you get to the final four and then you can't finish it off because, you, you know, the, the postmortem will start with, you know, you don't get these opportunities very often and we were this close and we couldn't uh, finish, finish it off. I mean, that's, a, I guess, a strange thing to be even talking about because they're up one nothing in the series. But, no, to your point, yeah, th- this was a, an organization that had a very disappointing, you know, uh, result last year, you know, you know, getting down to a game seven and then not being able to, to pull it off you know, they have a really interesting mix of veteran guys and, and, and young players coming through the pipeline. And so, I mean, I think right now they're saying, you know, like, why not us, right? Why not us right now? So, um, so, so we'll, we'll see how it, how it all plays out. But, but yeah, you know, if it, if it ends up happening that they, you know, they can't finish this off, if they go out in this round, they do the postmortems. I'm pretty sure they're not going to have Jim Lights go off on Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan the way he did, you know, a year and a half ago or whenever that, that rant was about how these guys weren't delivering, uh, uh, you know, the value for the, for, the, for the dollars that they were creating. But, uh, you know, as I say, I, I just know, like I know, you know, Jim Neal, who runs the team, you know, former University of Calgary captain in the late 70s, know him pretty well. Rick Bonus coached a million years in the National Hockey League. You know, these guys are, are telling their players right now, you know, this, this, this could be our best chance. And especially if you're someone like Ben, who's, you know, probably, you know, eventually running out of next year. Even Tyler Sagan, when you think about it, you know, you know it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about Sagan and Hall and, uh, you know, these young guys coming up, you know, from that 91 draft, you know, they're, you know, well, guess what? They're approaching 30 and they're, you know, they, 
you know, they're going to soon be on the back half of their career. So let's, I, I'm very interested to see you know, uh, how Dallas does. I, I don't think that their team is as good on paper as, uh, as Vegas is. And, and for sure, you know, the, the fact that, you know, Hudobin is giving them this level of goaltending is something that probably surprises a lot of people. Although, you know, when you think about, you know, the teams that have survived and how many of them are, are using their backup goalies, or even the last round, the number of teams that had to rely on, you know, the Halaks and, and the Demcos. It's just been, it's been a crazy, crazy year. And it always goes back to, Logan, you've heard me say this a million times, right? You know, are we talking about good and bad goalies? No, we're talking about hot and cold goalies. Anybody that gets to the National Hockey League has a, a level of accomplishment where they can, you know, win games, be the star of the week, uh, you know, all those things. And if you just happen to get a guy that, that's on a roll at the right time, and that's what, you know, what we're seeing from Hudobin, never know. I, I, it, it sure looks... Like that team has a ton of confidence in him, and especially with you know everything that's gone on with uh, with Ben Bishop and his fragility. Um, I, you know, one of the, the smartest things that, that that organization did was invest some money in a backup that could be, come in and and play a string of games. Because if your number one is a guy like Bishop, who's got you know tons of upside and and can be you know Vezina Trophy caliber goaltending when he's healthy. Um, to think that he is going to be, you know, a guy that you can rely on from October to April, you know, history shows that that isn't isn't the case. So this was an insurance policy that they invested in. It's going to pay off for them. I do want to touch on, on what a Dallas offseason might look like uh, in a in a moment here, but I wanted to bring up. You mentioned Rick Bonus uh, in your last answer there, and it's curious that we see a coach with an interim tag reach a, a Western Conference final with a team and. Had they lost in the last series, I'm sure there would have been plenty of discussion over his decision to start Ben Bishop uh, in Game 5 and what could have happened there. But, I mean, that's all in the past now. Is there a world, Eric, you think that this offseason comes and, and Rick Bonus isn't given the, the reins to Dallas uh, as the head coach? Well, you know, it would really be interesting, don't you think, if two years in a row a coach with an interim in front of his title won a Stanley Cup because that was the case last year, right? Craig mm-hmm. Ruby was still technically the interim coach of the St. Louis Blues when the Blues won the Stanley Cup. So what I will tell you is that I think the same thing would apply here. I mean, they don't even have to win the Stanley Cup. I think that whatever the season ends uh, in Dallas, Rick Bonus will sit down with, uh, with Jim Nill and say, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And so I think it will, it will be left in, in his hand. And I don't think it's a 100% sure thing that he would necessarily want to continue as a head coach. I, I just don't know. Like, I think that it's, it's one of those things, if, if you were to ask the question in a Zoom call, it, you know, the answer would be, let's wait to see what happens and let's, you know, let the season finish and then give ourselves some time to think about what we want to do next and then proceed from there. So I would say that if he, wa- if he wanted to come back and, and be the head coach, absolutely he will return. I think he's done a great job. You know, very difficult situation. Again, you know, somewhat similar to what happened in, in Calgary to go into a, a, a situation where a coach is, is relieved of duties, not for performance on the ice issues, but for, for something else. You know, he settled everything down. You can really tell that the players love playing for him. But, you know, he's a good man, you know, and, and uh, popular with, uh, you know, with, with the younger players, popular with the older players. But what I would tell you is that if, if it went the other way and he decided that he didn't want the pressure or the exposure or anything about being the head coach, I think they would turn to John Stevens. I think that what they have really found in the time that John has been on the staff 
there. And John, of course, was an assistant on Daryl Sutter's staff when, when the Kings were winning the Cup and then was uh, the head coach there for about a year and a half before they let him go. Really good coach. Again, a lot of the same values as, uh, as Bo Ness. Terrific defensive coach. So I think that they... It'll be one of those two. And, and, and what I would suggest is that both of them will be on the coaching staff. And, you know, if Rick doesn't want to be the, the head coach, it'll be John Stevens, and maybe he'll continue on as associate or, or whatever. But uh, I don't see a lot changing in terms of the makeup of that coaching staff because it's working, and why would you break up a combination that works? My last one for you here, Eric, on the Dallas Stars in the postseason right now, their leading scorers are Miro Haskinen and Dennis Gurianov. Yeah, we talked a little bit about Sen and Begin, or Sen and excuse me, Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan uh, throughout the hit here, and you you liken back to you know uh, ownership and management kind of giving them a hard time not so long ago, and uh, it might be a little bit harder to move out a guy like Jamie Ben, but I think Tyler Sagan, you know, just before thirty is probably still an interesting piece, but it kind of feels as though the core is shifting in Dallas, maybe away from Ben and Sagan and into some of these younger players. They've got, you know, dynamic defensemen, Lindell, uh, Heiskin and Klingberg. And now it seems like these young forwards and Gurianov and Hintz and uh, others are kind of taking over the reins there. Yeah. Well, no, I, I don't, uh, I, I agree with you, but I also don't think that based on the success that they've had so far in this postseason, I don't really see significant changes there. You're right. You could probably, you could probably listen to offers for, for Ben and Sagan, they make too much money, frankly. You know, again, we're we're entering an off season where there's going to be a flat salary cap, and so the idea that that you would move out players that ha- that that are being you know remunerated at the levels that that Ben and Sagan, I, I don't care how good they are, I don't care what they might be able to lend a team. You know, in in Ben's case, you know, leadership and grit and so on and so forth. Sagan is just still a really skilled guy and probably what a top. 30 forward in the NHL right now. Uh, you know, a few years ago we might have said top 10. I don't think that's the case anymore. Um, but I just, I, I don't see them making a, a change. I think what they will end up doing is, um, you know, they, they love playing those, the, the kind of that four line game anyway. And, uh, and as you say, Hints and, and, and Gurianov look like they're going to be players going forward. So they have a, they'll have a nice top six mix if they stick with, with the group that they've got. And, you know, they've, they've made the playoffs in consecutive years. As I said, they were a little unlucky to lose out in the playoffs last year. They're ahead in, in the Stanley Cup semifinals right now. So, you know, as opposed to all the other teams that are talking about making significant changes and lowering the boom on this guy and that guy and the other guy, I think they're going to see you're going to see a lot of status quo in Dallas next year. And before we let you go, a quick thought on what we uh, saw yesterday with the Tampa Bay Lightning really showing that, yeah, we'd like to like to win this Stanley Cup. We don't want to get close. We'd like to win another one as they were uh, full marks against the Islanders. Yeah, well, exactly. I, I actually uh, thought we'd be talking a lot about that one, that, that particular game, because I, and I was sorting out in my own mind the psychology of it. Because, you know, if you're the New York Islanders, like they're the one team that's still alive from the play-in round. So they've effectively won three series so far. So how much would a lopsided loss, even in the opening game, affect them psychologically? I think they're going to be able to shrug it off, frankly, because I think they're going to fall back on, look, we've done a lot of things well for five weeks now, and, and we're not going to let you know one 
game where we weren't very good, you know, uh, uh, change anything. So they'll come back with the same relentless approach and hope that they don't give up an early goal to Braden Point like they did and see if they can get the upper hand and, and start to create a level of doubt in, in Tampa's mind. So I think that'll be the philosophy from the Islanders' point of view. And sometimes it's just easier to get, to, you know, to, to take an 8-2 loss and say, okay, into the trash can with that one. We're not even looking at that tape. We're just moving forward. But I think what I've seen with Tampa in these playoffs is incrementally their confidence has increased. And, and I think that was a big, a big deal. Like, remember, you know, like they were the odds on favorite last year, you know, lost, not just lost, but got swept in the, in the first round by Columbus and then faced that very same opponent in a very dangerous first round, learned something about themselves, that they were able to, you know, to, you know, flip the, the script on that one, won that round, you know, division rival Boston handled them pretty easily. So I think there's a level of real confidence growing in Tampa that might not have been there last year. Last year was just too easy for them. And, and this year has, you know, was a bit more of a struggle. I think they learned something about themselves from that struggle. When they were pushed earlier in these playoffs, they've been able to push back. And they look like when, whenever I see teams getting into the final four and getting better, that is to me a yeah. dangerous team. Because I, that's what happened with St. Louis last year. They were getting better as the playoffs went along. And that doesn't happen very often. Sometimes you're just kind of running on teams. Tampa looks like they're getting better. So I would be, you know, like if you were asking me today, you know, Eric, you know, pick, you pick the Stanley Cup champion and we'll give you a million dollars if you get it right, but you got to give us one name right now. That's the name I'd give you, Tampa. Yeah. So let me know uh, when the check is in the mail. Okay, okay, yeah, I will, uh, I'll see if I can work that out. Well, we'll let you go and talk to you on Thursday. We'll see where these series are at. And, uh, yeah, they move the draft up. There's all kinds of stuff going on. It's going to be a busy few weeks in the, in the world of, of, of hockey for sure. Yeah, always looking forward to it. And I'll be back in Calgary. Well, there you go. Back west. There we go. Things are starting to, you know, be the way they should, right? (laughs) Exactly. Okay, thanks, Eric. All right, thanks, Kelly. There we go, Eric DeHatchik, as uh, he joins us Tuesdays and Thursdays right here on Hockey Central at noon. That's Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon, coming up uh, 1 o'clock, means the arrival of Peter Klein. He's got the big show for you. Steinberg in at 2 o'clock. Hockey tonight, Vegas. And Dallas at 6 o'clock right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. I uh, do want to tell you that we'll announce who is our, uh, what are we calling this, our third or fourth round, because we had a play-in round winner too. It's probably our fourth round winner of our uh, iconic electric and controls playoff pool. We'll get to the scoop on that next right here on Sportsnet 960. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Peter Klein coming in after 1 o'clock, hour one of the big show. And coming up, it's the Sports Drive at 5, featuring inside the NHL for Calgary Co-op. Calgary Co-op is your one-stop barbecue shop from only Alberta meats to local grill-ready products. Calgary Co-op is here to help you be your barbecue best. And that is coming up uh, after uh, 5 o'clock or so right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The Commish. Kevin Walker from Iconic Electric and Controls sent me a note. This is, uh, this is uh, I guess, we had the play-in round, and then the first round, and then the second round. So the winner of the latest round in our contest, our playoff pool, as it were, the Lords of Lettuce with 330 points. Congratulations. Travis Verderko is, uh, is the team owner. And now we move on to the conference finals. And congratulations, you get yourself a 
nice prize pack from Backyard Meats, and who knows, you could be winning the uh, the big smoker from Paradise Bay and that big shipment of meats from Backyard Meats, so you can have a late, late summer, early fall barbecue. We'll see how it goes. All right, so that's coming up. What else can I tell you? we uh, got some hockey for you. We've had a lot of hockey, but we're going to keep rolling it on as we've got Dallas and the Las Vegas Golden Knights at 6 o'clock tonight. And uh, that that game was a little on the boring side, if you want to be honest. It uh, was not, not great. Game one, we'll see what uh, is in store for us for game number two. We'll do that for you coming up at 6 o'clock. What does uh, Peter Klein and Logan Gordon have ready for our one of the big show? Uh, we'll have our Monday regular Ryan Pike from Flames Nation All joining right. uh, PK at one uh, thirty or so. Okay, uh, probably talk some Flames off season, what he's seen from the playoffs so far, and uh, I believe we'll have uh, three burning questions to ask Peter in the last segment. Okay, that's coming up. We'll do that next right here on Sportsnet nine sixty.